Welcome to Short Course, episode 24, for July 13th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This week on the podcast, I just want to talk about being a range officer, starting as a range officer, taking classes, getting better, getting experience, and sort of what to look for and, and what to watch out for. This is a topic that's that's really near and dear to my heart because I, I actually, before I was you know a GM or anything, I actually was starting to become a pretty active range officer. And so, you know, I, I had my CRO cert and I'd actually gone out to work the 2014 nationals, which, you know, I actually was not at all experienced as a range officer when I went out to nationals in 2014. I, I just started in USPSA a year ago in 2013. And I spent some time, like I would take the clipboard and help score, but I, I'd never really run the timer very much. I was starting to do a little bit of that at club matches, but I, I'm, you know, I had run a couple local guys, but that was it. And when the opportunity came up to go to Utah, you know, work the 2014 Nationals as a range officer, have the the flight paid for, have the the match fee paid for, and get to shoot the match, I was like, yeah, let's do this. What do I have to do? So I literally got certified a month before the match. Uh, I think I took the class, you know, two months or so before finally got the test and the certification got updated and all that. So that was that was my first experience and thank goodness they put me with an experienced uh, range master instructor Carl Schmidt. He, he I mean at first I thought I was just going to, you know, sit there and paste targets and run the the tablet and the morning of the first day he's like, "All right, uh, I'll take the first squad." Will, who's the the other guy in our little crew of three, will take the second squad, and Ben, you'll run the timer for the third squad. And I was like, "What?" I was I was not really prepared for that, you know. Running, I was I was I was reasonably I had a healthy fear of messing up people's nationals experience, but um, you know, it really was not that scary. And I had you know a good crew to back me up if I'd made you know any kind of crazy wonky call, but I didn't. It was really straightforward. And that, you know, I got the experience there and then I took it back to my, my home club that was hosting the the North Carolina state match that year and helped to run a stage there. And, you know, honestly, from there I was, I was hooked, right? Like in so far as, as it was feasible, I wanted to work matches where I could. And so I ended up working, so that was 2014, work nationals, work the North Carolina match, both of those within about two weeks of each other. And then in 2015, I volunteered to work the North Carolina State match again, this time actually as a stage CRO, and then also CRO to stage at the Georgia match. And when I say CRO, that, that actually means two things. You know, there's a CRO certification, chief range officer, but then there's also the acting as, in the role of a chief range officer for a stage, which just means you are sort of the person in authority, the buck stops with you on the stage. And if somebody wants to escalate something above you, then it goes to the range master. But, you know, if they dispute one of the other ROs calls, you're sort of the the next level of escalation. And so it's, you know, you just basically have one person per stage that's in charge and their job is to be consistent. Ideally, they want to be on the stage, every, you know, for a multi-day match, you want them there to make the same call every day of the match so that everything's consistent. If there's a question about, you know, is this or that legal, you know, at least everybody gets the same answer, that kind of thing. 
And, you know, I, I liked it. Like it was, it was good. I liked giving back to the sport. I liked being able to contribute to high quality matches. And if you haven't done it, like I recommend it, it, it really is. Um, you learn a lot and it, it's a nice, you know, it's a nice way to get back to the sport. Unfortunately, uh, 2016 was the year I, you know, set the goal to make GM. And it was also the year that I proposed to my then girlfriend and then we got married in the fall. And so I was lucky just to get to shoot the North Carolina state match. And that was, you know, pretty much it. We shot the the South Carolina state match together as well, but I think those were only the, the, the only two majors in 2016 I even shot and I didn't have a chance to work anything. And then last year in 2017, it was just, you know, way too busy, but that's why I'm actually pretty happy that my wife and I are going to be working a stage at the 2018 North Carolina state match because, you know, I, I, I missed it. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting back to doing that. And honestly, it's not even so much, you know, it's not a, it's not a power thing. Like now she's a certified CRO. I'm a certified CRO and we're actually going to have a third CRO on the stage and he's going to be the designated CRO. So he's the one that all the questions will go to. And, um, you know, we're just, we're just helping out, you know, we're just there to make sure everything runs smoothly, give every shooter a, a fair chance at the stage and just make sure that, that the, <laughs> everything is, is boring and unremarkable and everybody gets the score they earned. And so, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. So what part of what has this on, on the brain is that this past weekend, my wife actually did take the, the CRO class. It was it, uh, at a range nearby, took the class, passed the test. I think all, all it has to be done now is just updating the website. And so I was thinking about the, the RO classes and the CRO class and, and getting into, you know, starting to be a range officer because I think, well, first of all, I think, I think there are a couple of things that people don't really understand about the, the RO class and the CRO class, which the first is, I think people think that if you take the RO class, you learn to like game the rules or something. I, I don't know. I don't know where that idea came from. But it's it's really not true. So, in my experience, from what I've heard when I took the class, and you know, from from talking to other people, the level one range officer class is almost entirely about safety rules. They'll you you cover the rule book back to front, but you kind of skim over a lot of the administrative stuff about you know, can a target be set up this way, or you know, if you have a shot pass through a paper target and hit a steel target, you know, what, all, all that stuff, they, they don't, you know, you're not covering every rule in the rule book. The goal of the RO class is to come out knowing how to safely run shooters and do that consistently. So, you know, give good range commands and, and that sort of thing. But there really isn't anything about gotchas or gimmicks or anything. So I, I don't know that it necessarily makes you a better shooter. I think it makes you a better competitor in the sense that you sort of understand the flow of the match and, and you understand how how things work but i don't you know you don't really learn how to you know oh seven tricks for you know <laughs> defeating swingers i you know it's, it's not like that but i think you know if you have the chance to take the ro class somewhere around you it's it's definitely worth it it's usually a two-day class i think they when i took it it was a two-day class it was really more like a day and a half i think they may have started like when my wife took it earlier uh, earlier this year sometime last year something like that she um it must have been last year because you have to be an RO for more than a year to take the CRO class. Uh, it was just a one-day thing. So a couple hours, like five, six hours of classroom, and then you go out to a range, and you have a little sample stage, and everybody takes turns ROing each other just to get a little bit of experience with range commands and 
just doing a little administration, running the timer, scoring targets, that kind of thing. But it's a good opportunity. It doesn't take that long if you can get in on one. But you really don't necessarily need it. And I think that's the other thing is the the way to look at the RO class is it's not, it's not so much the definitive, once you take this class, you will know how to be Ted World's best RO. It's the, you can think of it kind of like the classroom portion of driver's ed. You wouldn't expect somebody to go into driver's ed and take the classroom portion and then be safe to drive. Like, just like driving, it's something that it's good to have a little bit of experience before you take the class. And then it takes a couple of years like of, of just getting experience and handling different situations before I would say you're really competent or, you know, obviously the, the journey of learning never ends. But, you know, until you can really be a good RO, like just taking the class will not make you a good RO. You're going to need some experience, some seasoning, and honestly working with some some really good ROs and learning their tips and tricks and and, and watching them and learning from them. I think it is a good thing to take the, the RO class if you have the opportunity, assuming that it is interesting to you to contribute to the sport and give back and increase the quality of the, of the matches. But don't be afraid to, you know, just start asking at club matches. Like if you see the RO is, is running the timer and, you know, he's been running it for more than half the squad, you know, offer to take it from him. I think if, as far as being ready just to run timers at a local match, I would say the, the, really the two main things to know are the range commands, how to give the, the proper range commands and the, the sequence, and then just the safety rules, you know, what is and isn't a DQ, you know, when do you stop the shooter for their own or someone else's safety? And really, I mean, the only four that can really come to mind, obviously read chapter 10 of the rule book. That's where they cover all the different disqualifications and what defines unsafe gun handling. But basically it's, you know, don't pull your gun out before load and make ready. Don't AD into anything that isn't a target. Don't sweep any part of your body above your extremities during the draw reholstering. You know, there is an exception for that. Uh, And then the 180. So, you know, as long as you understand the make ready sweeping and the 180, you, you know enough to make sure that, that the person isn't being unsafe and if you have questions about the other administration or running the timer or that part of it, then, you know, you can either ask after the, the shooter's done. Worst case, you have to give them a reshoot. It's just a club match. And the thing is, nobody came out of the womb knowing how to do this. Everybody started somewhere. If you have somebody at the match or somebody on your squad that you really, you know, respect and trust and can say, hey, can you like show me the ropes? Like you're pretty good at ROing. Like I'd love to learn you know, do you mind if I take the timer and then you give me some feedback or critique? Like, that's really the best way to do it. If you can find someone to kind of air quotes apprentice under, you know, for one match at a time, you know, it doesn't have to be a long term arrangement or anything. But just be willing to go out there, try get feedback from somebody you trust, you know, somebody that you think you, when you watch them, you're like, okay, they're doing a good job. You know, ask them for feedback, run the timer and be like, hey, like, if you see me doing anything kind of silly, let me know. And just get out there, like start getting experience because nobody, like I said, nobody came out of the womb knowing how to do this. And we need, like, we always need more help. You know, I, I genuinely, one of the things I look for these days when I'm picking a squad at matches is, is this going to be a squad with multiple guys that can all take the timer? Because when you have a squad of 16 people and four of them can all take the timer, then each of you only has to run four or five shooters before you can hand off the timer and go back to 
loading your mags or visualizing. And so it being able to share the load like that is actually really useful. So, you know, if there's one or two guys at your club, that you always end up squatted with that always end up taking the timer, like give them a break. You know, even if you're only taking the timer for four or five shooters, you know, just any little bit, I think helps, you know, everybody wants to shoot a good club match, but not everybody wants to be the guy that has to run the timer for more than half the squad on every stage. And so, you know, the more people we have, the, the better the sport gets. As far as other you know tips for new range officers, I would really say your job as the RO is to watch the gun, not the feet, not the target. And you really, you don't have to be very close at all to the shooter to see their gun. And in fact, in most cases, you'll be able to see the gun better the further back that you are within, you know, within reason. But if you're right over someone's shoulder, you can't necessarily see them. Whereas if you're off 45 degrees, 10 feet to their left and 10 feet back, then, you know, if they turn and break 180, then you can see that you're in a position to, to see that. Now, in general, as the RO, you should be over the shooter's dominant hand shoulder and your scorekeeper should be over their non-dominant side. So if it's a right-handed shooter, you should be over the right hand, right side, just so for the most part, you can see the gun when they're manipulating it, you know, finger on finger off the trigger, that kind of thing when they're moving around. And then when they do a right to left move, that's when having your scorekeeper on the other side, they can watch the gun from that side when it's blocked by their body from your view. And then for the rest of the stage, you're watching the gun, the scorekeeper, if they, you know, they can watch the feet, if they're looking for foot faults, they can watch the steel. If you're trying to see if, you know, if you've got some plates that are finicky and people hit them, but they don't fall, you know, that's, that's the scorekeeper's job. Like you really are, you should be working as a team. You know, if there's none of that stuff to do, the the scorekeeper can definitely get a head start on on scorekeeping. But in general, especially at bigger matches, but it's better to do it even at club matches. If you've got both of you watching the shooter, then any way they turn, you know, whatever happens, you've got two sets of eyes on it. You can confirm or deny. It's not like, well, I wasn't really watching. What do you think, Bill? You've you've got that, that double confirmation. But yeah, I mean, other than that, like it really, it's not that scary. Just um, be willing to, to step up and, and give it a try. If you want to sort of baby step even into that, start taking the tablet. That'll give you a chance to work with the range officer. You know, you'll you'll see how they run the, the range. Really start learning the, the range commands. You'll get a real insider view on the scoring. You'll see how different perf hits are scored and that kind of thing. And so, you know, working with a tablet is, is a great way to start. I mean, that literally, that's of course, back in my day. Uh, back in my day, it was actually a, a sheet of paper with a grid of boxes. And, you know, you actually had to, to pin, you know, write with pen the, the scores and then tally them up at the bottom where the, the guy in the score shack that had typed them into the computer would get grumpy at you. That's how I started, you know, a clipboard and a pen and, and just learning the, the ins and outs before I'd ever run a, a shooter or anything like that. You know, that, that was, that was how I got my start. And I, I think it works. Uh, I was talking about the classes earlier. And then, so the RO class is mostly about the safety rules. The CRO class, the idea there is a CRO is somebody that you want to, like I said earlier, have be sort of the consistent, the buck stops here kind of person to administer each individual stage and sort of take ownership of, of the, of a stage at a level two or above match. And that's what the CRO class is all about. It's about the administration of a stage at a big match. So a lot of the stuff that you learn there might not really even apply to club matches. So, you know, they'll talk about before the first shooter shoots your stage, the stage that you're responsible for at a, at a major match, 
you know, go through it with a fine-tooth comb, debug it, know what illegal target presentations look like, know how far the steel has to be to be legal, know, you know, whether or not a disappearing target is going to be a problem. You know, there was a, a really interesting, <laughs> and it's so funny because like so much of this sport is all about stories and, and parables. Like we, we tell these stories and this is how we remember things. But I think that's actually really useful because fundamentally, I think humans are storytelling animals. And so the way, you know, the reason we used to remember things as parables about animals that could talk is, you know, that was, that was the way you remembered a moral lesson. And, and so I think it's the same thing here where a lot of times the way you remember a rule is by, you know, one of these sort of parables that there's a story to go with it. And there was actually just a, a match, some, some video that I saw of a level two match up in the Midwest somewhere, the Ryan rocks charity blast. And they just had a stage where it was a max trap where it was supposed to close with the front no shoot showing like the head box of the target with like the whole alpha upper alpha exposed, but the, the rest of the head box covered and the no shoot covered more. It covered some sliver of the, the a zone in the head box. And so you didn't have the full upper a zone available when the target was closed. And so boom, illegal target presentation, just looking for, you know, little details like that. And, and nobody's perfect. You know, things like that slip through the cracks all the time, but as much as you can, you know, going through debugging your stage and trying to set it up for success. So, you know, one of the common things they talk about, you know, in the CRO classes, if you've got a moving target, you've got a very high likelihood that people are going to be shooting the sticks on your target, whatever the, the mover is. And because it's moving, the sticks are going to get more back and forth stress on them. And so they're much more likely to break. So make sure that they've got a layer of duct tape wrapped around them just to hold them together so that hopefully they can make it through the whole match without you having to change the sticks. But if you have to change the sticks, have spares, just that kind of administrative stuff about keeping the stage moving, not having it bogged down, how to handle when problems do arise. You know, if someone has a scoring dispute, when to call the range master, how to handle, you know, if someone does DQ, how to handle arbitrations, you know, th that kind of administrative stuff. So it's sort of doubly so not really a competitive advantage. I don't think to, to have taken that class, but as if you want to, I think what you learn there still applies even at club matches. If you're interested in, you know, as you walk the stages before the match, if you see something like that, that you can point out to the match director and say, Hey, I think there's going to be a shoot through on this target over onto this other thing. You know, are we okay? Like, do you mind if that barrel over there gets shot up? Cause I think most people are going to take this shot on that target from here and shoot through onto the barrel. You'll, you'll just start noticing these things and you can point them out and the match director either says, yeah, that's fine. Or, or tries to fix it before the match starts. And so, you know, that stuff does apply, but in terms of making you a better shooter, quote unquote, on the timer, I, I just, I don't, I don't see that value up for it, but I still think it's, it's very much worth doing. I think it's not nearly as scary as I certainly thought it was when I first started. And I think, you know, almost any level, at, at any level of volunteering in this sport, if you are willing to be genuine and enthusiastic and try and do your best, like even if you're not experienced, we can teach you. We are, we, and I say we as like the experienced shooter community, not just ROs, not just, you know, whatever. We, if you are willing to learn and willing to help, like ask offer and, and someone will take you up on the offer because 
you know, the, this is still a volunteer sport. We do still need as much help as we can get. And, and as much as we can share the burden and share the load, the better the sport gets for everybody. And, and I, that's, that's just true. But I also, you know, I personally find it satisfying to, you know, be able to run a match and, and help run a stage that makes it a good experience for everybody. And I think that's satisfying. And, and I think that's an experience everybody should have. So I, I would highly encourage it. If you have the chance to take the class near you, do it. If you don't, then just start learning. Just talk to people at matches, you know, start asking questions and just start taking the timer, offer to take the timer. You know, if, if the guy says, yeah, I'm like, let's just get through this stage. You know, the day's almost over. Like, I don't feel like messing with it. That's fine. Like, you know, it's nothing personal. But I think for the most part, if you offer to take the timer and ask for feedback, especially, you know, put yourself in a position to to improve, most people are going to respond pretty positively to that. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. You can email me at podcast at barryshooting.com, and I post video of all my matches at youtube.com slash benberryuspsa. Talk to you next time.